what is that break point where I'm making 50, 60, 70% of the income I'm making in my primary job is my entrepreneurship job, however you want to look at it. Okay, I'm good. I know if I free up that other 40 hours a week, then I can close that extra 30, 40, 50% gap pretty quickly by opening up that free time. From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Today on Going Solo, I'm speaking with the founder of the leadership phalanx, Earl Brion. What's the break point when you know that you should go full-time in your consulting business? On today's episode, Earl shares how he is building his business while working in a full-time job. Stay with us to hear all the details. Earl shares how important relationships are for your business success. Relationships are the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll experience the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. You'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Earl Brion. Earl is a former active duty United States Marine with over 25 years of experience in coaching and leadership development. He is the CEO and founder of the Leadership Phalanx, where he combines his civilian and military experiences with his love of history to bring you what he calls the 11 shields of the Leadership Phalanx. These shields work together like the ancient Spartan formation to provide you a strong leadership foundation that values diversity and inclusion as fundamental to building strong, successful, and innovative teams. Earl, welcome to the show. Oh, David, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Tell me a little bit about your career. Yeah, so it's been a very interesting career, and I always like to take it back to when I was about 15, because that was the first time I got promoted into uh, what I would consider you know, a management role. I was working, uh, I grew up in Northeast Tennessee. I was working at a, uh, uh, it was a shed, that's what we called it, where the field pickers would bring in tomatoes and they would get sorted and, and uh, shipped out to the various uh, you know, supply chain uh, end users, right? And um, for some reason, I got picked to, to be in charge of what they called the box loft. And here I am, I'm 15, I'm on a work permit, and all of a sudden, I get tapped on the shoulder, and I'm supposed to manage these, there were three guys up there that were uh, in their early to mid-30s, and one guy was in his early 40s, and I had no clue. I had no clue what to do, right? I mean, these, these guys were twice my age. More than twice. Exactly. <laughs> but I had this kind of idea of, you know, watching TV shows and whatnot growing up of what leadership should be like. And I started to try to kind of do that kind of very stone cold kind of you do this, you do that. And I found out very quick that uh, not a lot of uh, 30 and 40 year olds respond very well when a 15 year old is trying to, to do that. So I had to rely uh, instinctually, I had to kind of fall back on influence. And uh, I started doing, you know, little things, right? Just whatever I could do to kind of identify and make their life easier. And it started working. Fast forward a few years later, and I, I joined the Marine Corps. And I start 
hearing these 11 leadership principles that the Marine Corps beats into your head. And one of those was know your team and look out for their welfare. And I'm like, hey, I remember that one. That's what I did back in the shed. Uh, There's something to these principles. So I really kind of uh, gravitated towards them. And that was really what consumed my time as a Marine. I, I did what we call personnel other than grunt. I was a very desk job kind of Marine. I wasn't the, the guy out there with the M16 all the time getting dirty and putting on face paint. But I really gravitated towards all I could leadership with the Marines. Late 90s hit and President Clinton signs an executive order mandating all forward deployed troops have to take the anthrax vaccine. And I took it like a good Marine. Uh, but I developed some complications, right? And kind of almost overnight, if you will, this idea I had of joining the Marine Corps and staying in and retiring, maybe converting to become an officer at some point in time, it was all gone, right? I went from having a 20-year plan that maybe would turn into a 30- or 40-year plan to, yeah, you've got 10 days and we're processing you out on an admin discharge. Well, sir, what do I do next? I don't know. You're not going to be a Marine anymore. It's not our problem. Okay, well, thank you for that. So I started looking at the skill sets that I had, and I had the desk job that I did in the Marines, and I found a job doing it as kind of like a contractor. But at the time, I knew that the federal government was going to be my best destination. So I started applying for jobs uh, in the federal government, and uh, I eventually got hired. I had to go kind of the traditional route of you go to a less desirable station before you get to a place that you know you really like. And I'm sitting thinking, okay, again, I've got this, right? I've got my skills. I've got into this job that I really enjoy. I kept doing the coaching and, and you know, a kind of internal consulting a little bit, if you will. I got a chance to do some uh, leadership development training and using those 11 uh, leadership principles quite a bit. Then we hit this thing with, uh, you know, Congress and shutdowns and not knowing when you're going to get paid as a federal employee. And, and that really... That really kind of set me on edge a little bit because I'm like, oh, no, here we go again, right? You know, nobody's necessarily going to lose their job, although there is every once in a while talks of downsizing the government. And I don't think when most people think about that, they think about the resultant job loss that that creates. But I started feeling a little unsteady uh, as a federal employee. Maybe this thing isn't as secure as I thought it would be. And so I started thinking about all this time that I'd spent from, from 15 up until now, you know, getting ready to turn 40 uh, at that time. And the one consistent thing for me through all of that was coaching and leadership development and helping people develop those types of skills. And I started thinking about uh, some of these programs that I'd been involved with. And there was one, one young man's words that stuck out to me that at the time I'd laughed off and I just kind of chuckled. He goes, Earl, you're really good at this. Have you ever thought about doing this professionally? And you know, like I said, I kind of laughed. I'm like, well, I am. I'm, I'm doing this professionally right now. He's like, no, I, I really believe, you know, that, that you could make a big impact on a lot of people's lives by doing this like full time. And again, I've got a good government paying job. You'd be kind of silly to let that go. So, you know, I mean, I kind of played around with the idea a little bit. I set up a website. I threw something together. I kind of dabbled and stuck my toes in the water a little bit. But then the big 35-day shutdown happens. And that was the one that really kind of like, okay, you need to take your destiny in your own hands, so to speak, 
And you really need to, if this is something that you're that good at, you've got all these people telling you that you're that good at, you need to to start putting some meat on that bone because who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what can happen with the federal government, especially in today's kind of climate that we're in? So I sat down, I started coming up with all these concepts. And, you know, anybody who knows anything about the military knows that we rely uh, very heavily on some of the ancient warrior cultures, samurais, uh, Spartans, uh, Vikings, things like that. And so this iconography of shields and the Spartan phalanx really popped into my mind and the leadership phalanx was born. So that's kind of my my story up until uh, recently. Kind of a, a nice little journey there, right? Right. And so you birthed this thing. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about it as a business? Yeah. So that's been the real tricky part for me, right? Because, you know, as a federal employee, and uh, I am still a federal employee in daytime, I had a lot of, there were a lot of ethics hurdles there that I had to kind of check some boxes and make sure that I do this thing right. You know, I can't do anything on government time. I have to figure out how to get around that. Thank goodness there's all kinds of services where you can schedule social media posting and I could do all this stuff in the evening and edit. So that was the first thing, right, is how can I do this? Because I remember Dave Ramsey, I remember hearing him talk one time about uh, people taking chances, right? And he says, look, he goes, uh, I don't think you need to, to be the person that runs off the dock and just jumps into the water, you need to make sure the boat's at least close enough to where when you jump, you, you stand a chance of hitting the side of it. You may bounce off, you may still get bloody, but at least the boat's there, right? And that's really kind of stuck out in my head because I'm like, okay, I've got that opportunity here, right? I can, if I do this right, I can build this business, do it ethically, stay above board with everything, check all the boxes that that legal tells me I've got to do and kind of start start this business rolling. So, that makes the process a lot slower. It makes it a lot harder to do because you're you're literally juggling two jobs at the same time. But when you have you know a family and, and some of those considerations, it's something that you kind of need to do. If it was me by myself, I probably would have ripped the Band-Aid off, but I've got some family considerations to think of there. But yeah, that, that's kind of where it's been since birthing this idea until now is making sure I'm doing this uh, the right way, so to speak. And Earl, how long has it been since you officially opened the doors in your business? So officially, officially, it's been probably about two years or so. And, uh, you know, been growing steady, steady momentum, steady success since then. You know, done a couple of uh, engagements, had a couple of coaching clients and that sort of stuff. But it's that, that time restraint that that's really that I use as the excuse to not pull the plug and go 100% solo. I'll be honest with you, that that's really what it is. Right. Well, it's not necessarily a time excuse. I mean, it's reality. If you're, if you're yep. working, working in a full-time job and you have a family and you want to be able to sleep part of the time, there's a, there's a limit to how much you can work in a business. Yes. No, and that's true. And that's why, you know, all my friends give me grief. Uh, you know, I used to post whenever I would wake up uh, on social media because, you know, I wake up, you know, sometimes three thirty, four o'clock in the morning and put in a good, you know, two, three, four hours of work before I start my day job. And that's, you know, where I get that there. I'll tell you the thing that's been one of the biggest hurdles for me, and, and we kind of talked about this uh, when we were getting ready for the show. I've got 25 years of experience. I can put that on my resume but I don't have, I can't use any of those testimonials <laughs> uh, to, to support it. And people look for testimonials in this field uh, quite a bit. 
So that's been my really my biggest hurdle is is people come and say, well, do you have testimonials? I'm like, well, I do. But if I show them to you, I'd have to kill you. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but they, they said, well, do you really have 25 years of experience? Yes. Yes, I do. And then I have to go through and explain it to them. And, and that works out for some folks and other folks really want to see the testimonials. Is there a plan for making a transition to full-time at some point, full-time in your business? There absolutely is. And I'm really starting to put those pieces in place because, you know, one of the things is, again, like I said, I, I never I never really envisioned myself doing this, right? It was a lot of uh, people telling me, hey, you'd be good at it and, and asking questions. And I, I've surrounded myself with some really great people, you know, that, that have helped kind of coach me through this and kind of get those foundations set up, right? And uh, I had a friend, Jim Bouchard, actually he said, look, one of the things, you need one of two things. He said, you need to write a book or you need to have a podcast, right? Because those things give you credibility quicker than than anything else. And I said, okay, well, I'm from Northeast Tennessee. I can't speak so good and I don't like to write so well, uh, <laughs> but I love to talk, right? So I started up the the Responsible Leadership Podcast. And uh, that has been very instrumental in, in helping connect me to, to people like you and a lot of the people that we know mutually. But it's also helped me make a lot of contacts with a lot of people who have done this before and who have asked me uh, some very tough questions, right? So, like, when I first decided to, to start down this road, if you asked me what I was going to do, well, I'm going to help people become better leaders. That's my answer. I'm going to help people become better. Well, that's, that's great. That's kind of broad and all that good stuff. But how are you going to do it? Well, I start talking about these 11 shields and all that. Okay, well, that's great. But, like, no, seriously, like, who's your audience and all that? And so I've been fortunate enough to talk to people to help me kind of laser focus in on my audience. And what I've settled on, David, is, you know, there's two people that I am best to work with. One is, you know, anybody who's looking to improve their their leadership skills, right? I, I My shields uh, that I talk are really based on those 11 leadership principles, and they are universally applicable, right? I don't care if you're a doctor. I don't care if you're a veterinarian. If you're a Fortune 500 CEO, these shields will help you be a better leader. Now, some of them you may already know. Some of you may not. But through these shields and coaching, we will help you become a better leader. The second one, and this is, again, not something that I ever really had considered in the beginning, but is I saw a piece of research that Harvard Business Review cited, and it was a global study that I want to say there was something like 12,000 respondents across the, the globe. But in the study, they asked two questions. You know, they asked a bunch more questions, but there were two key questions. How old were you when you were first promoted into a leadership slash management role? And how old were you? when you received your first formal leadership slash management training. And David, there was about a 10 to 12 year gap between those two things and not in a good way either, right? It was, you got promoted and then a decade or so later you got training. So that told me there's a lot of organizations out there that either aren't providing great leadership development training or they're not providing it early enough in their career. So my uh, second target audience, besides working one-on-one, -on -one, is if you are an organization that needs leadership development training, and spoiler alert, if you don't have it, you need it right now, that's where I can bring these shields in and we can build that leadership development training around these shields and get you started training leaders ready to move up throughout your organization versus hoping you pick the right person that can lead and creating all the disaster that comes with that. 
So those are my, those are the two plans, revenue streams that I'm really uh, committing to this year to really beefing up and, and working on coaching and then helping organizations implement and develop uh, leadership development programs. Earl, like you, I know a breadth of kinds of people in different stages of developing their own business from those that have been pushed out of their job after 30 years and they realize they've got to get their consulting or coaching business up and running pronto because they have bills to pay. And that it puts a lot of pressure on them, but they really hustle. And some of them do a great job of getting good business fairly quickly. And the flip side, folks that are still employed, that want to develop a business on the side so that they can make a transition into full-time coaching or paid speaking or consulting. What, what advice do you have for those that are still employed, but would much rather be self-employed and they haven't been pushed out, but they haven't pulled the trigger themselves and, and jumped out? What advice would you have for people like that? So my number one piece of advice is, especially if you have a family and this is something that you're thinking about, have the conversation with your family first and foremost that this is an avenue that you're, you're looking at. I didn't do that. When I really first started kicking this around, I started kind of doing all this stuff and, and booking podcast recordings. And, you know, my wife would want to do something. And I'm like, look, I got this interview scheduled with such and such. I can't do that. And I never had that conversation. And, and it caused some, you know, not major issues, but it caused some issues in the beginning. But I will say this, it's important to do that because the last thing you want to do is start being successful, start kind of moving down this road and then have somebody that means something very much important to you in your life, not be on board for that journey, right? And I think a lot of people kind of skip that piece thinking, oh, hey, you know, we're, we're married or we're dating or whatever, they're going to be on board. They want to support me. And, and you know, because most of the time they do, but there's a, as you mentioned, 100% rightfully so, there's a whole different level of, of involvement versus uh, from being an employee to being an entrepreneur. And it requires a whole lot more work. And especially if you're doing it while you're still working a full-time job, you know, it can sap all that free time really quick. Because of that, and this would be my second piece of advice, you have to be 100% intentionally deliberate about scheduling your time. Whatever the mechanism is that you use, whether it's Google calendars, whatever it is, because as you mentioned, time is at an absolute premium. And you, by working a full-time job, you have access to less of your uh, time than most entrepreneurs have. So you have to be very deliberate, very diligent about scheduling that time and making sure that you're using it effectively and appropriately. That's a really good point. I'm also wondering, for those folks that are still employed, how can they best know when it is time to jump and go full-time into their business? Yeah, and that's a great question. That's one that I've, I've you know, kind of really kicked around quite a bit. And again, working with my wife on, on answering that question, there's no one answer. 
right? And I think that's the, the, the big thing is there's no one answer because everybody's life is a little bit different. You know, some people have mortgages and car payments and maybe medical issues to think about. Some people maybe haven't even moved out of their, their parents' home yet. You know, we see all the numbers on that. That's not a negative thing like it used to be, right? But it's just the way life is. So you have that threshold is going to be a little bit lower for you. So it takes being able to sit down, and this is where the discussions with the, your significant others is very important. It takes setting down, looking at this whole thing in kind of a 360-degree bubble, if you will, and find out what is that break point where I can, I'm making, you know, 50, 60, 70% of the income I'm making in my primary job as my secondary job or as my entrepreneurship job, however you want to look at it. Okay, I'm good because I know if I free up that other 40 hours a week, then I can close that extra 30, 40, 50% gap pretty quickly by opening up that free time. So I think you got to really balance out a lot of uh, a lot of those issues depending on your situation. Right. And and those are some very practical concerns that people need to deal with and I think you're right that being clear on them for your with yourself and then being clear on them with anybody who's a significant partner in your decision-making process is really important. Earl, how do the 11 shields of the leadership phalanx factor into your own career journey? Yeah, you know, when I um, look back, like I said, when I was first introduced to these in the Marines, I start looking through these things and, and I'm like, yeah, I already do this. I already do this, right? And it was it was having them put into words for me that really cemented that that what I was doing and, and my leadership path was right. And I, I'm using air quotes when I say right, because it was what was right for me. It, it gave me clarity, right? And I think that's the one thing, like these things aren't, these shields aren't really overly difficult. You mind if I share one real quick? No, go right ahead. Yeah. So the one that I always start with is you are always on display, right? Duh. But we don't, we don't really absorb that at the level that I think we should, right? Because we'll be driving down the road and somebody will, will cut us off. And the next thing you know, we're yelling and screaming and flipping somebody off and, you know, road rage sets in. What if it's one of your employees that accidentally cut you off and they see you go through this tirade in your car, right? And then you show up at work and you're sitting there and you're trying to talk about how, you know, we should be, uh, we should treat each other with respect and dignity and all that other good stuff. Well, you just shot all of your credibility out the door on a car ride into work because you lost it in traffic. And when you start thinking about you are always on display, it really drives home the point that you need to be mindful about everything you do every day. Don't be, don't be disingenuous, right? Don't, don't put on a facade, but remember that if you're saying this at work, if you're saying this at home, if you're saying this at church, you have to actually be putting it out there on display. Otherwise, nobody's going to follow you. Nobody's going to believe in you. And so it was those little things right there that, that these shields really just kind of, they heightened my level of awareness to this is how I need to conduct myself on my leadership journey. That makes total sense. Earl, before we close out, is there anything else you'd like to mention that I haven't asked you? You know, I mean, we, we've covered a lot of it. I would just say for anybody who is considering going down this path, 
right? And I, and I kind of touched on it already, but I would just say really think, really plan, really have those mechanisms in place. Planning is probably the the most critical, right? And and it's not necessarily about developing the plan, right? Uh, being a history buff, you know, we talk about the D-Day invasion and all that. And the first thing that Eisenhower did was throw away the battle plan, right? Because as soon as the bullets start flying, it's not good anymore. But what the plan does is helps you prepare to be able to make those adjustments on the fly once you start executing, right? And it's a lot harder to plan in the middle of it than it is before. NASA was a great example of, of this with everything that they do. So I would say that's really it. I just want to drive that point home. Take the time beforehand, plan, plan, plan. Now, I want to give a word of caution. That doesn't mean all you can do is plan. At some point in time, you have to pull the trigger and execute and 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 move on the plan. But if you don't take that time in the initial to plan, get your time prep, figure out how you're going to, to do your workload. What does your workflow stream look like? All of these things, if you don't do that first, you set yourself up for failure. Well said. Earl, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, obviously access all your your great podcast episodes or any other resources that you may have, where would be the best place for them to go? Yeah, no, thank you very much for that. And the best place to go is leadershipphalanx.com. That's all one word, leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X dot com and i've got all this stuff there we got a very quick run on the shields we got the the podcast is there and you know the other thing is is i'm on all the social media outlets i'm really focusing more on linkedin these days but you know if you want to reach out to me directly just earl e-a-r-l at leadershipphalanx.com shoot me an email and uh, let's get that discussion going Sounds good. Um, yeah, you have a lot of great information on your site. It's, it's really well constructed. Um, I love your show. And um, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on Going Solo. My guest today has been founder of the Leadership Phalanx, Earl Brion. Thank you again, Earl, for joining us. David, it's been a pleasure. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode, along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode, Earl shared how important relationships are for your business success. Relationships are the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll experience the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues. You'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.